All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you from New York City on this, the 8th day of September 2020. Uh, I do like to remind you, I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and uh, go to miningstocks.com to subscribe for that. You can go to... uh, uh, ChenPicks.com to pick up on Chen Lin's letter. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? We do want to thank all of you for listening to the show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel, and also encourage you to keep your questions, comments, whatever they may be, coming along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. We do, of course, want to thank our sponsors because without them, there would be no show. Our sponsors for today's show: NV Gold, GMV Minerals, Grand Portage, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources. Lion One Metals, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. Before I introduce today's show and uh, a surprise guest, let me tell you that I have uh, completed filming my Investing 101 Gold, Silver, and Miners course, and that the launch date for this course is October 1st. We will be providing updates as October 1 draws near, so if you're interested in, in taking the course, Send us your email address to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. The questions number four at taylor at gmail.com, and we'll keep you posted as October 1st approaches. And since I know many of you are big Michael Oliver fans, and given that gold has been showing some weakness over the past several trading sessions, let me quote Michael from his weekend missive. Here's what Michael had to say about gold in quote. After major recent quantum leaps, gold is now cooling off but no sustained downside, just up and down, yawning action. Our opinion is to relax, hold long. It's the bears who should be nervous because their repeated selling only produce sideways action. Their clock is, set, is getting short, end of quote. In other words, hang in there. Don't worry about these, uh, these downturns right now in gold. They're probably very short-lived and certainly would seem to be any uh, numerous different reasons why you have to be bullish on gold and uh, and other tangibles at this point in time. Well, I've titled today's show, The Role of Gold in Surviving a Global Economic Abyss. Bob Moriarty and Corwin Co. return as today's guest, and in just a moment, a surprise guest, Dr. Anthony Santelli, will join me during this first segment to introduce an energy technology company that I think has a great deal of promise. By no means does the introduction of an energy technology company mean I am giving up on gold and silver. Absolutely not. We are in the bull market of a lifetime for the precious metals because fiat currencies are in the process of self-destruction. But life will go on, and I do think that there are opportunities outside of the precious metals sector that are worth learning about. 
and the company that Dr. Santelli heads up, namely Alliance Bioenergy, is one of them. If you were to take President Trump's proclamation seriously that somehow his superhuman capabilities generating a V-shaped recovery, then that there would be no reason, if that were the case, to own gold. It would be great if President Trump's version of economic reality were true. Then we could forget spending our time, energy, and capital in search of production of gold, which, when you think about it, is a very little earthly good other than serving as an honest monetary metal. If we had honest money, resources that are, uh, that are being used to find gold might better be applied towards efforts like those of Alliance Bioenergy. Well, there will be money anyway for those companies that can make money, and that's what we want to try to find out, the prospects for Alliance Bioenergy, of course, when we talk to Dr. Santelli. But the truth be told, even before the pandemic, the credit cycle that began after the 2008 financial crisis was stretched to its limits. And while the banking system has seemingly not yet been impacted, as Alistair McLeod told us last week, a banking crisis is most certainly, most likely, somewhere in the near future, especially uh, when you look at the over-leveraged banks in Europe. But just this morning, the Financial Times reported that there are increasing concerns by U.S. banks that borrowers against real estate for offices, malls, and hotels will start massively defaulting as these buildings, the buildings that they are uh, borrowing to, um, to finance, are being vacated in mass. And you know, the only thing central bankers know to do in response to these kinds of issues is to print massively more money to bail out the banks for which the Federal Reserve, of course, was actually created in the first place. The Fed's first responsibility is the banks, and, uh, you know, secondarily, perhaps, the American citizens. Global central bankers know the days are numbered for the existing dollar-based fiat uh, monetary system, which is why a Finnish economist and former central banker has stated that we should be anticipating a new global monetary architecture that will no longer be dollar-centric, but will be based on a basket of currencies plus gold. You can access the article uh, reporting on an interview that this central banker uh, gave at miningstocks.com. If you go there at miningstocks.com, there is a link on September 2nd that uh, will that will take you right to uh, the articles titled The World is Heading Towards a New Monetary System. Just click on that link and you'll go right to it. Just this morning, I noticed an article at 321 Gold reporting that IMF that the IMF now holds 90.5 million ounces of gold. And uh, I will be talking to Bob Moriarty in the second half of today's show about his views regarding a new monetary system, as well as one of uh, my favorite exploration companies and Bob's as well, that he is writing a book about. Um, and uh, so we'll be talking to Bob about those topics in the second half of today's show. In just a few minutes from now, Corin Co., he is the CEO of Sitka Gold Corp., will talk about three highly prospective gold projects in the U.S. and Canada that are being drilled this summer by Sitka. And Sitka Gold is certainly one of my favorite exploration stories, not only because of all three of its projects, but also because this company still is unrecognized in the markets. Uh, Sitka currently has a market cap of less than $10 million in U.S. money. But speaking of another stock with a great potential and a very low market cap, I'm really pleased to welcome Dr. Anthony Santelli. Thanks for joining me, Anthony. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, so... so it's really good to catch up with you, and I should, before we get started, should tell our listeners uh, that Alliance Bioenergy, which you'll tell us about in a moment, uh, you can, they can, people can go to AllianceBioE.com, Alliance 
B-I-O-E, the letter E, dot com, uh, to learn more about your company. It trades in the pink sheets, A-L-L-M, 235 million shares, approximately outstanding. Recent prices saw at about 11 cents this morning with a market cap of about $26 million. So uh, Alliance Bioenergy claims to be able to produce renewable fuels and biodegradable bioplastics from cellulosic material in a CO2 neutral and environmentally friendly manner and at a lower cost than from uh, corn or fossil fuels, as I understand it. So just tell our listeners a little about your company, because if it's as good as it seems, uh, it seems to me it's another one of those companies that's going unrecognized in the market, given your market cap of only around $26 million. Yes, I would say that's correct, Jay. Um, we, we have a technology that can convert uh, any cellulosic material, that means grasses, wood, paper, farm waste, yard waste, forestry waste, forestry other products, um, and the cellulosic portion of municipal solid waste uh, into biofuels and biodegradable bioplastics. Uh, It is entirely environmentally friendly. We use no toxic chemicals, and we recycle the water and and the catalyst. And you're correct that uh, it has a near-zero carbon footprint because the carbon that is produced from burning the cellulosic ethanol uh, in your gas tank is ultimately reabsorbed by newly grown plant material that is in turn used as the feedstock for the next generation of, uh, mm-hmm. of ethanol and bioplastic by our system. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a really good uh, attribute. Um, our process is a mechanical chemical process that is unlike other cellulosic conversion processes in that we don't use any strong acids or expensive and slow-converting enzymes in the conversion of the cellulose. The, okay. um, this, yeah, so, um, I mean, the market for, for biofuels and bioplastics, as you know, is virtually infinite. Um, the gasoline supplied in the United States is mandated to contain 10% ethanol, which amounts to around 15 billion gallons a year, and the global plastics market is around 100 billion a year. Um, our intention is first to produce single-use products like straws and utensils, uh, which alone are consumed by the billions each year. So, you know, in a nutshell, as far as market opportunity is concerned, you know, our company couldn't grow, I mean, as fast as we could possibly grow, we cannot realistically, uh, you know, fulfill the market demand. Okay, if you're going to produce, uh, okay, go ahead. Sure. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask if you're going to produce ethanol. Uh, do you have? Is there some sort of a reason to think you can compete with existing ethanol producers? Yes, um, our feedstock, which is, as I mentioned, it's either uh, a grown grass or it's a um, you know someone else's waste. Uh, the cost of that is you know ranging from zero if it's somebody else's waste to, you know, it's about $45 a ton if, let's say, you're growing some, you know, giant king grass or something like that. Um, on the other hand, corn, which is the main producer of uh, uh, feedstock of ethanol produced in the United States, uh, ranges in the, let's say, 150 to $200 a, a dry ton range. So our feedstock cost is significantly less expensive to begin with. Um, our capital cost will be a little higher because corn, you can bite into it, you can practically taste the sugar. Um, obviously, you bite into a piece of wood, and it's not like that, so it takes a little bit more. Um, but our process is uncomplicated. 
uh, unlike others. We don't use expensive enzymes. It's a very simple, cost-effective cost catalyst. And so we believe that ultimately we'll be able to produce sugar uh, and then hence ethanol at a lower cost than from corn. At a lower cost. So you think you're, you're, uh, yeah. you're, you're um, competitive in terms of your cost structure. Uh, and, and how advanced are you, Anthony, in terms of the, your, your project? Uh, I, I mean, to what stage and how close are you to commercialization of it? Okay, we're, we are currently on our fourth generation prototype. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's being tested as we speak. Um, we, you know, when the results of that, we anticipate having, you know, one more round of prototypes uh, after this, and then a integrated module of a, of a full-scale commercial system. Let's let's call that the sixth generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in production, our, our our system is is modular. Uh, so when we have a plant up and running, we expect you know multiple. Um, multiple units of our system to be functioning at, at, a, uh, at a full size, let's say, 100, 100 million gallon ethanol plant. Mm-hmm. So you can scale up then, if I hear what you're saying. It's modular yeah, exactly. and you can scale up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and, you're, and you're operating in Florida now, I believe, right? Correct. Yeah, in, in the uh, West Palm Beach area. Mm-hmm. Any special reason why Florida? Well, actually, there, there is a reason. Down in Florida is where you can grow king grass. Um, king grass has an, has an advantage in that you can grow uh, a significantly larger percentage of, of uh, portion of, of um, feedstock per acre than something like corn or other grasses. And obviously, in, in warmer climates, it, so it, everybody knows things grow faster than than in colder climates, and they can grow 12 months of the year. So um, we actually just have uh, just acquired a, uh, uh, a king grass um, acreage that we're going to be using as, as feedstock for our system. And that's in the fourth, uh, in your existing prototype? In, in or? our existing prototype, and then the next level mm-hmm. prototype, and yes. And then ultimately and we're going to need more, more acres, and we'll, we'll you know, contract with farmers and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you need to give you the green light to go commercial? And, and when do you think that might take place? Well, probably in the 12 to 18-month range, we should have a, a system that's commercial ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, and I would think you're talking about bioplastics as well. So what you're, you're looking at a plastic, a, an environmentally friendly plastic product too, if I understand, right? It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's... You know, it's interesting. We don't we don't talk about that that as much, but um, it's a big deal. Our system it is a big deal, and our system may even may even yield a, a greater revenue from the plastic side than than from the fuel side. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see about that, but that's that's a real possibility. All right. So you're and, trading. And, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, I just want to mention, since most, most people, uh, uh, most of your listeners are in the mining sector, they probably don't know that, that the government also offers renewable fuel credits, and for a cellulosic uh, um, uh, fuel, they offer uh, what's called a D3RIN, which is worth about $1.46 a gallon, mm. that is paid on top of the price of ethanol. See, no one's really been able to crack this nut before. And so mm-hmm. the government is offering, you know, fairly significant incentives up to, as of 2020, 590 million gallons will be earning that, you know, $1.46 a gallon. Wow. 
Wow. And there's, there's not that much being produced at all. So it's, uh, uh, it, well, it offers I, us the opportunity to take a large percentage of that. Yeah. Well, I, I always I like to think that uh, these environmental uh, technologies can make it on their own without government subsidies. Um, it, you're not suggesting that you need that big government subsidies to make this work no, necessarily, are you? No, okay. no, I am not. But it, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's a nice. I mean, ultimately, sure. in building a plant, we're going to have to go out to banks uh, for for debt financing, and it's nice when you're sure. negotiating. You know what kind of rate you're going to borrow your money at to say, <laughs> hey, look, we can pay you back quickly. <laughs> we're yeah. getting this, you know, this this uh, cash infusion from the government. Um, so I All mean, right. at some point in in, the, in you know in the future, that's probably going to be taken away. But um, right. you know, for the next few years, it's probably going to increase in the number of of uh, gowns that they're offering the credit for. Okay, Anthony, we, we we're basically out of time here, but you're going to have to raise some money. Will you be doing some private placements along the way? And if so, uh, people um, that might be interested, they who, how can they get in touch with you? Sure, we're, we're talking yeah, about accredited can, investors, of course. That is correct. Yeah, they can they can contact us. Our, our information is on our website, um, or they can email me at anthony at allianceboe dot com. Uh, that's alliance a l l i a n c e b i o e dot com. All right, and that's uh, the website as well. Uh, yes. All right. Uh, well, this is certainly an interesting story, and it may be one that I pick up in my newsletter sometime soon in my tech section. Uh, this is the kind of thing I like to look at for my letter. I want to thank you very much, Anthony, for your time and sharing this knowledge with our listeners, and uh, we'll hope to thank try you, to keep Jay, up with you in the future. On. You bet. That All right, folks. Great. Well, we, thank you. we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because Corwin Co. of Sitka Gold Corp will be with me, and uh, that's a company that shares are doing very nicely today, and we'll learn why when we talk to Corwin right after the break. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Corwin Coe. He is the CEO of Sitka Gold Corp., also a member of the Board of Directors. And uh, I should mention before we say hello to Corwin that 
Uh, the company trades uh, in Canada under the symbol SIG. You can buy it down here in the U.S. as I have under the symbol SITKF. Only 48.5 million shares outstanding, and I see the stock is performing very nicely today. It's up about well, it's up about 25% today, actually. It's up to about 19 cents in U.S. money. But, um, yeah, don't let that scare you up. 25%, it's still a market cap of under $10 million or about $10 million in U.S. money. So it's a, it's a very low-cap stock still. Uh, as I say, one of my favorites, which is why I'm really glad to say hello to Corwin. Thanks for joining me today, Corwin. Oh, hi, Jay. Very welcome. Now, I know you prefer being called Core, so I'll call you Core now. But it's Corwin is your official name. So, uh, so Core, you're up, you're up there in the Yukon now in, in Dawson City, I understand, talking to me, right? That's correct, exactly. This is one of the wonderful things about radio. We're talking to our next guest from Fr- in France, and we just talked to a fellow from Ohio, and now uh, you up there in the, in the Yukon. So... You have three projects. Uh, all three of them offer, I think, excellent speculative upside for investors. Um, you know, but but judging from my discussion with you in the past, I think your favorite is the Yukon project, which you you did put out some news this morning about some high grade samples, surface samples, a number of them, actually. That's the RC Gold project that's up in the Yukon. Uh, talk to us about what you have going on up there. I see a 27.8 gram per ton was the high. Uh, was a high resource, I mean the high um, uh, sample that was, uh, I guess, a rock sample or a surface sample of some kind. Uh, what, what can you tell us about what's going on up there in RC, uh, the RC Gold Project now? Okay, Jay. Well, first of all, you know, it's a district size uh, land package. It's over yeah, 345 square kilometers, um, like 85,000 acres. And um, we're just kind of scratching the surface here on on our targets, um, we're processing a lot of historical data. Um, for example, there's over 20,000 soil samples that have been taken on that huge district scale property mm. and uh, very limited drilling. So we've got a lot of work to do, but right now this program this summer <clears throat> was uh, designed to um, investigate some of our priority targets. And so we've just completed 1,500 meters of diamond drilling, um, that's about 5,000 feet, mm-hmm. in six drill holes. And one of these drill holes, um, from our visual interpretation of the, the surface sampling, we went ahead and put a drill hole underneath this zone, and uh, it's in the lab for us, say, with the other five holes. So we're pretty excited with uh, our first pass on the property here for drilling. And uh, <clears throat> with that, we've, we've also completed about 500 soil samples, and some trenching, and we're planning on doing some LIDAR um, mm-hmm. here in the next week or two, which is basically going to give us some structural uh, information, which is critical for uh, identifying these intrusion-related gold systems. Um, they, uh, they're controlled by these structures. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're doing up there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have another drill going on a property called the Ogie property uh, mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks as well to test a silver zinc anomaly there mm-hmm. that's never been drilled. So, so that's kind of where our focus is right now. And mm. it is a company standalone project, but it's 100% Sitka. And ah. uh, I would say that um, 
our flagship property in Burrow Creek down in uh, Arizona is, again, another standalone project which Sitka has. So, so it's kind of an envious spot to be in for Sitka where we've got three good gold assets. Mm-hmm. And um, we've drilled two of them this, this year already. Right, and uh, before we get to Burrow Creek, uh, I'd just like to ask you, you, you mentioned you've drilled six drill, drill holes. They're in the lab for assay. Uh, I think, if I understood you, one of those six were drilled. Was it drilled under those, those high-grade assays that were surface assays that were released today? That's correct. Um, we okay. tried, to, tried to explain that in our news release, and uh, um, yes, it was, it was drilled. Um, where the projection at depth would would be this zone of mineralization, um, so we were successful in 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 targeting that and drilling drilling that hole. Any idea when we might get some get your uh, drill results back from the Yukon? Well, the first hole went in on August the fourteenth, and I was told about a month for that. Mm-hmm. But um, then the labs started getting piled up with uh, mm-hmm. a lot of rock coming in. And uh, we were told a month and a half for the next batch that went in, which was at the end of uh, August. So we're looking Mm -hmm. between anywhere from two weeks for the first batch to a month and a half for for these six drill holes. So it's going to be over the next two months that that these assays trickle in and we we have the ability to uh, release them. Good. We're looking forward to that. Well, I know that your your Carlin target, Carlin-style mineralization, Target the Alpha project in uh, Nevada. Uh, you had you put one deep hole down, and if if I understand it properly, it might have headed off in a direction you didn't want it to go. Or uh, what can you tell us about that hole, and what yeah. did you learn from that? Because I think you weren't exactly. disappointed with what you, with what you saw, right? You were not disappointed. Well, no, we're not disappointed at all. But it's was well, kind of frustrating because we were targeting and drilling a vertical hole, and uh, it. It uh, it started to bend to where it was at 60 degrees, which is a mm-hmm. dramatic bend, and it, we realized that we were not going to hit our target uh, Devil's Gate uh, limestone formation. And so mm-hmm. it's a 1,700-foot drill hole that um, did go through some interesting structure, but it did not hit our actual target that we were looking for. So we're in the middle of processing that data, and uh, we'll be uh, um, announcing our, our strategy there in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I know I talked to uh, Dr. Quentin Henning about it, showed him uh, the cross-section there of that hole, and he said, whoops, it went the wrong way. It should have gone the other way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah well, I mean, we're, we're so really I guess... I, what's that? We're good at bending the curve, but it's the wrong curve. Yeah, I bend, curved so, the uh, wrong way, right? So I, yeah, I guess exactly. this, this is fairly typical in, the, in those rocks from what Dr. Henning tells me. It's fairly... Fairly typical that uh, that sort of thing happens, but uh, and so you expect to drill some more there at the Alpha Gold property this summer. That's our plan, yeah. And actually, when I said that we we're on our second drill program, it's actually the third. I I uh, didn't include Alpha in that. So we've we've done ten drill holes at uh, uh, in Arizona at Burry Creek at Burrow Creek, and then that one deep hole at Alpha Gold, and now these six holes up here at uh, in the Yukon. Oh my goodness. Uh, Core, I'm just looking at my screen right now, and you're up another another three cents, a couple of cents. You're up to 22 cents now, and uh, that's up 45 percent today. So, uh, so somebody's starting to pay attention. I've been pounding the table for my subscribers 
uh, suggesting because you have three, I think, very, very attractive. I would suggest that the Carlin Trend one, uh, the Nevada one, is probably the highest risk, higher highest reward. Well, I don't know if it's the highest reward. It's a higher risk uh, possibility, but if you hit it, could be big, no doubt about it. And then you have Burrow Creek, which is the lowest risk, the most certain, probably the most, the highest likely success, uh, the, the highest likely project at this time, you could say highest probability for turning into a mine. Uh, but then we don't know about, because the Yukon, you're just really starting the work there, but it looks so promising as well. So uh, I'm really glad to see people starting to pay attention to your, to your story. You have uh, just recently raised $2.5 million. You only have 56 million shares out, which is really, really great from my perspective as a, as a shareholder. Um, how, much you, how far will that take you, and when do you expect you're going to have to raise some more money? Yeah, that two and a half million was raised over the last four months, and uh, 1.2 million of it is allocated for the exploration we're doing right now in the Yukon, and then uh, a portion of that will be used down in in Arizona and Nevada uh, from that raise, um, as well as for corporate overhead. So, about raising additional capital, it's going to depend a lot on on how much we need to raise and what the price is. And uh, mm-hmm. right now, what I'm seeing in the Yukon here, I would say um, our Yukon property is actually in a, in a dead heat with with our Arizona property when it comes mm-hmm. to to the risk reward situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we will be raising more money, and what I'm predicting is that we're going to have a major program up in the Yukon next year, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what happens with Burl Creek. We want to step out and drill the next kilometer of that gold anomaly corridor um, this this fall and this winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you say, Alpha is kind of a wildcat. Yeah. And it could, uh, it could uh, be very rewarding if, if we hit there. And if we don't, I don't think there's been a lot of uh, value factored into the market. Not at this stage. Risk. Not at this yeah. stage. I definitely feel that way. And uh well, I'm just really delighted to see people starting to pay attention. And, of course, if you're able, if the share price starts to uh, see what I think I see there, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to raise money and do it uh, w- without being overly dilutive. So anything else you'd like well, to add? Absolutely. We do have to go now, but if there's anything else you'd like to say in parting? Well, the only thing, uh, Jay, is that um, I just want uh, the investors to, to not forget that we also have a, a 100% subsidiary corporation called Arctic Copper Corporation. Oh, yes. And we have a massive land package up in the Arctic, about 30 kilometers from tidewater, that we've uh, discovered a, a sedimentary-hosted copper showing there that Ooh. runs around 13% Ooh. copper and about two ounces in silver. So we own that land position. It's about 50,000 hectares. Ooh. And uh, we have no underlying royalties or payments or anything like that. And uh, um, wow. if copper has its day in the sun, um, Sika Gold already has a, a very impressive uh, asset there. Boy, you sure do. And I would think that's something that some of the big boys might be interested in uh, talking to you about as well. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. That's, uh, that's just another uh, another bonus, potential bonus here. So uh, thanks for reminding me of that. I almost forgot about that. That's uh, really exciting. All right, we'll, we'll have to leave it go with that, Corwin. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our listeners, and we'll look to keep up with you in the future, that's for sure. 
Thank you, Jay. All righty, folks. Uh, thank you, Corwin. All right, folks, we do have to go to break now, but uh, Bob Moriarty will be with me right after the break and uh, should be uh, always, he always has some interesting things to say, so you are not going to want to miss Bob Moriarty. We'll see you right after the break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. NV Gold Core, trading under NVX on the TSX and NVGLF on the OTC, is a gold exploration company focused on uncovering the next multi million ounce gold deposit in North America. With an aggressive exploration season ahead in 2020, a tight share structure, strong management ownership, key strategic investors including Eric Sprott, a globally recognized technical team, technical coverage from industry gold experts, and cash in its treasury. Visit NVGoldCore.com to learn more on this exciting story. Benchmark Metals is a gold-silver exploration company that is embarking on its largest program to date on the Lawyers Project with up to 50,000 meters of resource expansion and definition drilling planned in 2020. The multi-million ounce potential project is expected to have a new mineral resource estimate and PEA study completed in 2021. The company is backed by the Metals Group management team and believes this aggressive program will be complemented by one of the strongest commodity bull markets in decades. Visit BenchmarkMetals.com and subscribe to follow their success. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have a really good friend of mine with me, Bob Moriarty. Thanks for joining me again, Bob. Uh, it's a real pleasure, Jay. Thank you for inviting me. You know, it really is good to have you, and I, I know that um, you know, you're know you over there in France um, and um, in, in, a, in a very nice area in the south of France, I believe, and in a very peaceful area, right? You're not... You're not in the middle of a city like I am. You're sitting. You're not there where they're burning buildings down and stuff like that, right? Uh, that's correct. It, it's very peaceful, and that's why we wanted to be here. Well, then uh, you're fortunate enough. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm. I have to think though that you're. You're getting a little antsy that you'd like to get on the airplane and start traveling. You're. I mean, you're a person that was traveling more than, almost, almost as much as our friend Quentin Henning. Not quite as much, of course, but. Boy, you were always on the go, it seems. You must be really anxious to start getting out and flying around and going to projects and things again. Are you? Uh, I, I am, but I don't know if those days will ever come again. I mean, we, we made a really important transition in March, and I think we're going into the dark years. I, I, I don't think we're ever going to go back to what 
had? Um, you know, somehow that's my feeling too, uh, but I'm not sure that I could explain why. Oh, what? I can't explain why. Well, let's hear it. Well, strange enough, it all has to do with death and it has to do with envy. Now, one of the things that just absolutely was an eye-opener to me, someone sent me a link to a video on YouTube, and if you go to Google, or I'm sorry, if you go to YouTube and put in monkeys and envy, and you watch that video, you realize that even in the animal community, envy is really important. But this was an experiment in which two monkeys were trained to hand the, the scientists a rock. And when they handed a rock to the scientists, the scientists would reward them. Uh, if both monkeys handed him a rock, he would give both monkeys uh a cucumber and they were fine with that and he changed it and if both monkeys gave him a rock he would give them a grape and mm -hmm. both monkeys were happy with that but then he switched it and he gave one monkey a grape and the other monkey a cucumber now I, I didn't know a monkey could go berserk but if you go watch that video, you're going to watch a monkey go berserk because of envy. Now, uh, since March, the Federal Reserve has literally poured money into the hands of the one-tenth of one percent. Now, everybody thinks these riots are just some kind of an accident. They're not an accident. That goes back to COVID. It goes back to the lockdown. It goes back to governments lying through their teeth. And, and people are angry. And it's going to continue to get worse because the divide between rich and poor has gotten too big. We are in exactly the same position today that France was in 1789 and Russia was in 1917. We are on the verge of a civil war slash revolution. And if you think it's going to get better next week, it's not going to. It's going to get worse. Now, the difference between France in 1789 and Russia in 1917 is we got 330 million Americans and we have 395 million guns. That is a recipe for disaster well it all makes a certain amount of sense and and the way things are going the federal reserve doesn't know to do anything except what it's been doing what's been getting us into this uh, this hellish situation for decades ever since we went off the gold standard in 71 it enabled the united states uh, combined with its military presence around the world to force countries uh, essentially to to take the dollar and that allowed us to continue to create money out of nothing and consume what other people produced. But more than that, Bob, and tell me if you, if you agree or disagree, that the, uh, the deplorables that Hillary talked about were people like my father who was a machinist. They were middle, people in the middle of America who had good jobs and lived very well until we went off the gold standard and we started exporting jobs to the rest of the world. And then you started seeing a redistribution of wealth towards a different group of people, not the people that were working and earning and making things for a living, the miners, the manufacturers, and so forth. But you were paying 
to people that were in Washington, the government, uh, expansion of the military-industrial complex, expansion of all kinds of welfare, uh, social programs, and so forth, uh, where people that were connected to government got rich, and of course Wall Street and the central banks. Uh, is that? Do, do you agree with with that picture? Yeah, exactly. Uh, in 1913, prior to the Federal Reserve, do you have any idea uh, when Americans dealt with the federal government, who, who were they dealing with? What was the agency? What did they have the most interaction with the federal government in? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I never lived at that time, so it's hard for me. I mean, before the central bank was created in 1913, I mean, there was no there was no IRS at that stage. Probably no. local government, local government, right? Yeah, but there the most interaction with the federal government was when you went to the post office. Uh huh. Okay, so now the post office is a little tiny uh, piece of the federal government, and and in 107 years we've had this enormous expansion of the power of government. And I'll be candid, Jay. People are angry, and, yes. and they're they're absolutely justified. The average American has not had an increase of pay since 1980. They've seen their income go down. They've seen the one tenth to one percent get richer and richer and richer. And, and I'll be candid: the guys in government, they have no clue as to what they're doing. They have no. screwed everything up. They could have fixed this system in 2008 when mm-hmm. the bankers went to them and said, we want you to bail us out. They could have said, screw you. Mm-hmm. You got into this mess. You get out of it. If we had let the banks collapse in 2008, we mm-hmm. could have recovered. And now they're doing exactly the opposite. They're, they're writing checks and just pouring money into the system. Let me give you a number. I hope you're sitting down because it's going to scare hell out of mm-hmm. you. In 1922, in Germany, the rate of increase in the money supply was 50%. Okay, and of course, in 1923, they went into hyperinflation. Now, do you have any idea of how much the increase in money supply has been just for this year? Uh well, it's well over 20%. I, I don't know exactly. I can look it up because I, I do keep track of that stuff, but I haven't uh, looked 60, at it recently. 68%. Is that measured by M1 or what measurement is that, Bob? I, I think it is M1. Yeah. But the point is what we are, we are on the road to hyperinflation. And I'd love to say gold is going up because it's valuable and it's an insurance policy and everybody should own some. Gold is not going up because it's an insurance policy. Gold is not going up because it's valuable. It's going up because the Federal Reserve has destroyed the dollar. We are on the route to hyperinflation. Now, it, it, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Do you know what the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, do you know what they just came out with? Um, no, I'm not sure. They're... Coming well, out with stuff every day. Funny because it's something you should know. The CDC that has nothing to do with making financial rules just came out and said you cannot foreclose on anybody until after January first. Yes, now, I did see why, that. 
if you're a renter and you're one of those 53 million Americans who have been put out of work and were on unemployment, I certainly sympathize. I absolutely do. However, the guy that you're renting from has to have that income, which you agreed to, for him to pay his bills. Okay, you can't mm-hmm. sit there and say, okay, we're going to take care of the renters. Yeah, you can take care of the renters. All you have to do is put all the landlords out of business. Yeah. Now, we are going to have a banking collapse. It is absolutely written into rock. There is no possible way to avoid it. We are in a depression. It's going to get far worse. The government's lying through their teeth. The whole COVID thing is a lie. Uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I guess it was CDC. CDC actually came out and said, "Well, guys, according to our numbers, okay, of a hundred people that we say died with COVID, only six of them died of COVID. Yeah. The other ninety-four percent already had some kind of critical problem mm-hmm. uh, to the extent of two point six problems per patient." Mm-hmm. Uh, Masks don't work. Uh, The government is is trying to force people into taking a vaccine. There has never been a COVID vaccine in history. The common cold is COVID. Okay. (laughs) There has never been a successful COVID vaccine in history. And there's like 23 companies saying, yeah, well, we're going to come out with one. Uh, we're We're living in Never Never Land. I, I mean, if people are not prepared for some really bad stuff happening soon, then they're simply not paying attention. If you think you believe all this bullshit from the government about we're going to have a B-shaped recovery and everything's yeah. going to be wonderful if we get rid of Trump and everything's going to be wonderful if we get rid of Biden, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. we got a civil war slash revolution coming. Well, I'm afraid you're right. I, uh, that's uh, that's not hard for me to uh, to to see that, Bob. Un- unfortunately, uh, I don't understand how the CDC. But I, again, as you say, we're living in Never Never Land. There's a lot of things that don't make sense to me. Uh, you know, if you're born a male and you want to be a woman, you're somehow you are a woman. Uh, you know, CDC says I don't know where the CDC gets their ability to determine uh, that people don't have to pay their rent. So it just, I mean. It seems like the laws don't prevail anymore. It seems like well, they don't. They don't. You know, you know, there's no law. It's not a. It's not a government of laws anymore. When they can tell you you have to wear face masks or they put you in jail. Uh, well, so it's, it's crazy. Uh, Schiff goes out on national TV and says there aren't any riots. Yeah. I mean, this guy got a television. Does he spend any time looking outside his window? Uh, we're seeing some, some crazy stuff. Now, I'm not going to say the Republicans are all good and the Democrats are all bad. And I'm also not going to say the Democrats are all good and the Republicans are all bad. They're both corrupt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one snake with two heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's been, uh, of course, Republicans have gone along with what Democrats want, uh, sort of hesitatingly. Uh, but because, you know, the. People want to have the easy way out, and that's what, what gains votes. Of course, we were never supposed to be a democracy. We were, we were supposed to be a republic, and that's another story. We can't get into that today. But, Bob, let me just ask you then. Uh, you, you mentioned the banking crisis. That's what Al- Alistair McLeod has been 
banging the table about on the show here uh, recently and mentioned that he sees the European banks as the first, the ones that are likely to go first. But then today I see that the uh, the Financial Times is reporting uh, concerns from American bankers about their commercial loans because you have all of these, you know, all of these different kinds of businesses that are that their their buildings are vacant. You know, the the offices, uh, the, the the retail stores, uh, everywhere you go, these you know these these people can't pay their they can't pay their mortgages now. It seems like so. It, to me, it's it to me what you're saying makes far more sense than this notion. I'm unfortunately of a V-shaped recovery. So I, I, I think we're. Let me give you some numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. 53% of the storefront businesses in San Francisco are closed permanently. The New York Hilton Hotel on Times Square, okay, and that is literally right there in the center of Turks Heaven, uh, is permanently closed. Yeah. Yeah, these are, I mean, this, these are uh, iconic places, iconic uh, sites that are, and I, I know they've, uh, I've made a note of that along Fifth Avenue, a lot of things that were boarded up uh, at least a couple of weeks ago. Well, well, uh, Bob, of course, we want to give people some hope, though. And, um, uh, you know, aside from, I mean, some of us can't move out of the city. You, you're you in a, a fairly safe area, supposedly, hopefully. Uh we wanted to talk about Novo Resources just briefly. I've had a lot of people talking about how Novo is overly hyped. I don't. I know you don't agree with that, but maybe just give our listeners, with the time we have left here, your thoughts about Novo Resources because it is one of my favorite stocks. And I guess I guess you have to ask also, what good are stocks going to do for you if you're not safe in your home? That's another issue. But but assuming that you are safe in your home, that you can find some safe place. Uh, to survive and you know and, and stay alive and all that, uh, owning gold stocks does it make any sense? And if so, yeah, it does. Yeah, there's always something you can do to protect yourself. And, and gold stocks are partial uh, ownership of real assets, and in that situation, you want in real assets. Now, the really strange thing is, Novo is one of the most undercovered stocks out there for sure given what they really have now i've got a really unusual relationship with novo and in fact i'm writing a book and the book will be out when they when they do their first gold pour in january okay but but uh i i've been part of that story since uh october 2008 and Quentin Henney happens to be my best friend. What you really find with Novo is how many people are just as jealous as they can be of, of Quentin's success. Uh, he's been incredibly successful, and I cannot tell you how that angers people because mm-hmm. they've never done anything that drives them crazy that somebody else has actually accomplished something and gotten credit for it. But there's me, and there's you, and there's the hedgeless horseman, and that's just about it for yeah. people who covered Novo. Yeah, because it's such an unconventional story, and uh, with the few minutes we have left here, I'm not sure, I have to find out from my engineer here what we have time we have left. Uh, but anyway, just talk a little bit about, because what I think one of the reasons it's not covered more is it's such an unconventional story. 
Um, well, that's, that's why it's so important. Quentin Henney is one of those very few guys. Let me be candid here for a minute. I know, or I've met a thousand geologists, okay? And I'm not stupid. I've been to 500 projects, and that's more than most geologists have been. <laughs> now, quite bluntly, if you sent a monkey 500 projects, the monkey would have a pretty good idea what's going on. But I, I've met a thousand geologists. I know the very best guys in the industry. I know them on a first-name basis. I talk to them. We're friends. I know who the good guys are, and I know who the other guys are. Uh, Quentin Henney is absolutely one of the best. Now, he has had three exceptionally unusual deposits in Western Australia that people have been walking over for 140 years, and they never got it. And yep. he came in, and he had a theory, and he went out and proved the theory works. And he, he's got some of the biggest names in the world uh, investing in him, and an enormous amount of, of professional respect, as he should. And then you got the naysayers standing on the side throwing rocks at him. Well, you're always going to have idiots, okay, who are just jealous of people who accomplish stuff. So, so ignore the idiots, but it's been a great story. Uh, uh, I'm not sure you know that. They actually closed on the mill today. He's I wasn't aware that they did. I knew they were going to. Yeah, he's going to be in production in January. Uh, he could have done it in December, but what they didn't want to do is hire a bunch of people and have to give them two weeks off for Christmas. Yeah. So, so they're going to hire the people that they need to to get the mill started and then in January, they're, they're going to go crazy uh, producing gold. I look for them to be at a rate of 125,000 ounces a year. It'll take them about 18 months to get there. They're going to be doing cash flow out the gazoo. Uh, all of the companies that are actually mining now, you know, when you got $2,000 gold, if you can't make money there, you should go jump off the building. No, well, that's that's uh, that, that's right. I guess you have to you have to figure that uh, this is the time to to really move it. And of course, getting that mill is really what helped them uh, so much. Of course, uh, they can move fast. Well, this uh, of course we've had Quentin on this uh, this show many times. You've been on uh, talking about the nuances of this project, but the mechanical sorting. That I mean, Quentin is is uh, is is someone who looks out, thinks outside the box, finds solutions. And it's really, I think, I mean, this was this was a project that was just unlike any other that I think you've ever looked at and Quentin's ever looked at. But it looks to me like he's got it figured out, uh, he and his team. Uh, so uh, I really look forward to that book. And for sure, when you have it, when you have it finished and ready to uh, to sell, we'll have you on the show uh, to talk about that. That's for sure, Robert. Good so, deal. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much for for sharing your thoughts. Uh, they're truthful, opinionated as always, and very welcome. Thank you so much for, uh, for all you've yeah, done. Yeah. Have all a right. good day. You too. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Next week, uh, Dmitry Orloff, who is with us. Uh, Dmitry was with us right after the 2008-2009 uh, crash. Uh, he compared the Soviet Union to the United States then um, in many ways, what, what we were going through then. I haven't spoken to Dmitry since then, but he will be with me. Um, next week, supposedly, and uh, also Michael Oliver will be back. And so until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. 
Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 